0: Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, starting at verse 1. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and they'll bring you a Bible. Acts chapter 9, starting at verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters for the synagogues in Damascus, so that he, if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. A few verses mark a pivotal point in church history. It's pivotal because it is through this man, Saul, who we know as Paul, that God was going to work miraculously through, powerfully, in a way that we are affected to this day. Three quarters of the New Testament were written by this man. And as we're reading this account aware from the last chapters that it was Saul who gave approval or voted for the martyrdom of Stephen. The persecution of the church that sent the church spreading throughout the region through Judea, Samaria. It was his persecution that that caused the church to, to get out of the nest, so to speak, and start moving forward. And as they were being spread out, he was going after them, following after them. And and as he was coming into this area, and as he was desiring to go to Damascus, and he had orders to, to take captive and prisoner both men and women, he was coming in like a lion, just ready to devour. Then he has an encounter, and he has to be led like a lamb into the city. A big change. And so many times I know I can read this account and say, oh yeah, that's what happened, but I really want to not be so detached from what was happening inside of this man. Because he's a remarkable person. He was an accomplished person. He was named after the first king of Israel. He was a son of a Pharisee, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, which was a center of commerce and learning that embraced the Hellenistic spirit and Roman politics. So he's raised in a religious family. He's raised to understand the law, the, the prophets, to be educated by religious parents, and he understood Hebrew and Aramaic languages, but also Tarsus had a Greek character about it where the Greek language was also spoken and Greek literature was partly cultivized in that area. And that's why throughout the book of Acts, we see Paul has such a handle of the Greek culture, even when he went to Athens. And so this man is born in this place that is culturally diverse, raised up in the Hebrew ways but also acquainted with the ways of the Roman Empire and the Grecian philosophies. And at some point, he goes to Jerusalem. We don't know exactly when, possibly 13 to 20 years old. He goes to Jerusalem to study the law and religion under the school of Gamaliel. We see that he was his rabbi. And history says that Gamaliel's comment of Paul was that he had an insatiable appetite to read and learn. In fact, he said it was to a point of being a fault that the man could not read enough. Don't you hate people like that? Go to school with those people and they're just into it. They ruin the curve for the rest of us. (laughs) The man was driven. He was unique. And here's a man who is driven, learned, and has a mission. He sees those that are on the way, Christianity, as being an opposition to what God was about in Jewish history. And it wasn't enough for him to think about it. He had to do something about it. He was a man of action. And so this drive that drove him to learn was now driving him to act and to stop this. In spite of what his teacher, Gamaliel had said earlier, leave it alone. If it's not of God, it'll fade away. But if it is of God, you will find yourself fighting against God Himself. And now on the road to Damascus, he finds himself smitten by God himself. Here's a little tip. If you fight against God, you will lose. And on his way to Damascus, he hit a wall. God encountered Saul. And as the story unfolds, there's the flash of light, knocks him down. And the Lord speaks to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? What I find interesting is, how was he persecuting Jesus? He was persecuting his disciples. That's the same thing. It gives us a little insight in what it means to be a disciple. It means to represent Jesus. Why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus. What is going on in his mind? Your whole life is living pointed in a direction. You're confident. You know what you're about. This is a man who knows what he's doing. And he's doing with fervor. I love how it says in verse 1, he's continuing to breathe out murderous threats. Isn't that a picture? Just breathing out murderous threats. This guy isn't wishy-washy at all. He knows what he's about, and he's on a task, and he's going for it. In his mind, he is set. Think of something that you've been set for. I mean, you were just determined for this. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's your wife. Before she was your wife, you're just determined. You know, I, I need to to get to know this this lady. I need to get her to, to see that I'm okay. So I better cover it up somehow. You know, I've got to I've got to present my my best foot forward. My best foot forward was never very good. When I try and dress up, it was clothes that I had from ten years ago because that's all I had. I have these shirts that fit like I was in eighth grade. Hi! You know. But that didn't sway me. No, I knew that I wanted to to be with this woman, so I had to be persistent. I was focused. I was like one of those smart bombs, you know. I was just going to key in. I was locked in laser. I knew what I wanted. Saul knew what he wanted. He was locked in. He had the laser marked on there. And all of a sudden, it hits this wall and it knocks him down. And it says, everything that you were living for was wrong. Everything that you've been about is misguided. How would you feel? What would that do to your world? Knocking the foundation, knocking the legs right out from under you. Philippians 3, Paul says, Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regards to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless, that who he was. That's what he was about. It was all this. God had put in this man a drive, but this drive was going the wrong direction. And God had to confront him, stop him, and say, you're going the wrong way. You need to make a change. Now, what's interesting is... In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 it says that he chose us Paul's writing says he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be a holy and blameless in his sight in love Jeremiah before God God says Jeremiah before you were in the, your mother's womb I knew you Before you were born you were in God's imagination God dreamed about who you were before you even existed. And so we see that from birth, this man who was driven, who was just insatiable hunger to learn and to, to know, God knew about that. When did God be I mean, when did Paul become this person? He was born this way. And he was born this way and given these desires by his creator from before he was born. God knew him. It's amazing how different people are. Having had twins, you know, you you break a lot of stereotypes because people think twins, you know, oh, one itches and the other scratches kind of a thing. You know, it's like you think that they're the same and they're not. All our kids are different. In a good way, they're unique. They have strength, they have weaknesses, they have characteristics that are just about them, even though they were brought up in the same home, even though mom tried to make them wear the same things till you know, junior high school, then it became life-threatening. And then you know you, you have to see that they're individuals and what's in them starts growing and becoming who they are. And you see that, you know, God knew them before they were born. And God had a plan for Saul to become Paul, and he just didn't know it yet. And when he comes to this place and this time, this is when he realizes everything I've been doing has been misguided. And it wasn't just a little misguided. Saul was persecuting the church. He wasn't just, well, not living up to his potential. He was destroying those who he was supposed to become. He was really off target. Where are you with the target that God has created you to be? Usually at some point, we all need to hit a wall that wakes us up, gives us a wake-up call and says, I'm not on target with what my life's supposed to be. Some of us, it's it's a small one. It's a little wake-up call. Some of us, we hit bottom. Some of us, like Paul, we have to hit that wall or God has to knock us down and we finally have to be on our backs looking up and say, Oh, this ain't working. I need to make some changes here. My life is going the wrong way. Have you hit that wall? Have you you made that change? Has God gotten your attention about what His desire is for you and not just your desire for yourself? I remember when I first went to a Bible study. It was so out of place for me. I, I don't go to Bible studies. I was a partier in high school. And my mom and my aunt and uncle they had a Bible study they went to and they, they were following Jesus and I was that's nice, that's good for you, you know, leave me alone, that's okay. And so I went. I don't know why I went. I just I think they promised me food or something afterwards. And so I went to this Bible study and everyone was talking. I have no idea what the Bible study was about, what they were talking about, and then for some reason I, I chose to speak up. And I think I even prayed. And I don't know what I prayed. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I think I prayed something from the movie Jesus Christ Superstar. You know, I I just, that was my knowledge of, you know, and I thought, well, that's pretty profound. I like the song anyway, you know. And it must have been obvious because after the study was over, this gentleman came up to me. And started talking to me like, You don't know what you're doing, do you? And he didn't say that, but looking back it's like it was obvious. And he came up to to me and he started talking to me about having faith in Jesus and putting my life in Jesus' hands. And I remember this guy was as wide as he was tall. I mean he was just a stocky man. His name was Abe. And he was you know, as wide at the shoulders as I was tall, you know, he was just this big. And he was just standing there, and he wasn't real tall, but he was just like there, a wall. And he started talking to me. I was like, oh, this guy's big. And I was listening to him and he asked me, do you want to receive Jesus Christ and, and ask him to be your Lord and Savior? Sure. Why not? What can it hurt? Didn't know what I was doing. Didn't know what I was thinking. And he said, okay, let's pray. And then he got down on his knees. This wall of a man got down on his knees, and that freaked me out. Because all of a sudden I know something serious is happening. This is real. What would put this guy on his knees? But I know if he's on his knees, I'm not going to be standing up. So I got on my knees too, and at this time, something started taking place in me where I started saying, this is real. And he led me through this prayer and he said, pray after me. And I don't remember what I prayed, you know, Jesus forgive me my sin. Jesus forgive me my sin. He, it said this, whatever it said and he said it and he said, that's okay. Now, now you're a Christian. And I was like, wow, okay. And I was like, that's, that's, that's different. That's interesting. And I went home and I did the same things that I always did because that's what I knew how to do. Went home, got high and, and, you know, then I said, wow, I'm a Christian. Wow. I started going to Bible studies and hearing the Bible. And as I was going to school, all of a sudden I found that I, I wasn't enjoying the things I used to enjoy. There was something going on within me that was just not content with who I was and wanted to change and, and started pushing me out of this person that I was. And you see, I didn't realize it then but god heard me and answered my prayer and so be careful if you pray and ask jesus to come into your life he just might do it then what do you do because then the things that were a part of my life were no longer what i wanted to be because i had high goals i wanted to be a rock star And I was every night in my room. (laughs) Practice the moves, you know. And you see, I believe that there is a dream that we have And there is a dream that God has for us. There is a goal that we have that serves ourselves, And then there is a goal that God has that serves others. And we were created for these things. And there's something that's burning inside of you that God has put there, just like he did Saul, that did not come to fruition until he encountered the risen Christ. And the same thing is true with you and with me. There is something that God has put in you, has created you, a a desire to do something, to be someone that will not be on target until you encounter the risen Christ. And then it comes into perspective. All those things that Paul had learned, all those things that he had given himself to, that insatiable hunger to learn is now going to be used for the glory of God. Because God knew about that from before Paul was even born. There's a German theologian, Dr. Schlemacher. He says to Paul, whatever you think about Paul and his teachings, his words are clear that he was a changed man. There has to be a change from my desire to do the things that I think are important, that are usually self-focused, to the things that God has given me to do. And one of the ways you can tell about whether your dream, your desire, your goals in life are good or not, is how do they affect or benefit others? Or are they just about you? Is your life to be a rock star? Or is it to give yourself to other people and benefit them? What what is it? What's your life about? Because none of you are here without the ability to do amazing things. You were created in God's image. I had four people this week, or this in the last week, come up to me and say whatever you need me to do just let me know and i'll do it whatever you want me to do just tell me and, and it's humbling to me it's, i appreciate it so much and it puts pressure on me what, i don't know, what do I do? I, you know i'm trying to figure out what i'm supposed to do now i gotta figure out what you're supposed to do too Did I just give myself away? (laughs) But here's my thought, and as I was just going through this, here's my thought for, for all of us and for those who said, you know, what do you want me to do? Here's my thought. What burns in your heart to do? What is it that you really would like to see happen? What is it that you, you go to sleep thinking about and wake up wanting to see a part of your reality and your life and what's going on? What is it? Because that's what I want you to do. And in fact, everyone who is involved here and serving, I really want you to to serve in what you want to do, the thing that you love to do, the thing that you're passionate for, the thing that drives you. That's what I want you to do. We've been reading about Philip the Evangelist. God told him, go, I'm gone. Hey, go there, I'm going over there. This guy has just had a zeal to do the things that God told him to do. And then we see later on in Acts, he's known as Philip the Evangelist. He had a drive. He had a a desire to do that. Well, God has a desire for you. What is it? Now, it says here that Paul, for three days, sat there and prayed. He was three days. He was blind and did not eat or drink anything. And in verse 11, as the Lord talks to Ananias, He called him in a vision, and we're not going to get into it too much, but it says that, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. For three days he was in the dark, didn't eat or drink anything, and was praying. I suggest that you take time to block out the distractions of the world, to close your eyes as it were, and to pray and ask God, what is it that you have created me to do? You have changed me for a reason. What is it? And like Paul, it might be a wake-up call it might be something that shakes all the things in your life and moves things out and changes things you know what we're so afraid of change aren't we we don't like to to have things change all of a sudden we get insecure and now we've got an economy that's falling what jobs are secure i don't know the ones that used to be secure aren't secure anymore remember when the dot-com thing was a boom Everyone was ah this is great and boom now it's changed change happens and we're so afraid of it but then when it happens oh, no, what do I got to do? well you got to adjust you got to move with whatever things are doing you, you have to change I never thought two years ago I'd be a dog trainer where did that come from? is it because my passion is dogs? no passion is Jesus and making him aware to people but the dogs pay the bill that's okay I I still have that vision things change but there's still something that keeps going keeps moving and it's God does it in in you he puts that burden in your heart and drives you. What kind of fool would try and start a church when he's trying to start a business? <laughs> it wasn't my plan. It's not how I wanted things to go. I wanted it to be sponsored by someone and, you know, sent out or something. I could have thought of a lot of better ways. But something's going on that I just, I can't be quiet. I've got to, to try and share this. It's the burden of my heart. What we're doing here is really a burden on my heart. I think about it when I'm training dogs. I've got to be careful because I've got to watch the teeth too, you know. But even when I'm training dogs, I'm thinking about how to talk about Jesus. And I'm training a dog and I think, oh man, this is a great application. It's just in me. What's in you? And if you're not sure, maybe you need some time to close your eyes and stop and think. But here is the key, and here's here's the, the turning point of this man's life and the turning point a huge turning point in the church itself is Paul had to recognize God's plan for his life and not his own. In Ezekiel chapter 37, let's turn there. Ezekiel 37 verse 1 says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, "O oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Ezekiel 37, verse 1 through 6. God needs to breathe life into these dry bones. And just as He prophesied for the nation of Israel and said, I will bring what is impossible to come to pass, God can breathe life into your dead life. He can breathe life and bring skin into your life that gives you A life that is connected to God. And that's what you and I need, is God to breathe in us. Remember in John chapter 20, when Jesus spoke to His disciples, He said, Receive ye the Spirit. And He breathed on them. We need God's life within us to live the life that we have been created to live. You were made in His image. You were created by Him. His fingerprints are all over you. And unless He breathes His life in you, you will be like Paul fervently going the wrong direction. But if you encounter the living God, it will change everything. And it will shake your world and it will tear you apart and it will change you because it is the living God breathing life into dead bones. For three days, Paul, going on and he prayed and then God answered the prayer through the person named Ananias James 4.17 says anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins and you see Just like this was a crossroad in Paul's life, God knocks him down and said, Paul, why are you doing this? I am Jesus. Paul at this crossroad had to make a decision what life to to live. What good to do. Paul, this is what you're supposed to do. And if Paul would not have done it, it would have been sin. I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you But I want you to see that God has good for each one of you to do. And if you don't do it, it's sin. What is it? I don't know. That's between you and your God. But there is so much ability and talent in this room you you've got creativity that is good you've got talents and abilities that are just amazing some of you are more aware of than others but God has created you for this and and maybe your whole life has just been like I can't do anything i'm really i mean i i I graduated with a straight D average, okay? And I was proud of it. (laughs) Once again, I'm telling too much. Don't limit what God can do in you. But if there's something good that you were created to do and you don't do it, that's sin. You're robbing us. You're robbing the church. If Paul would not have fulfilled what God had for him to do, imagine the loss. And oh, yeah, we might not be someone as great as Paul or Martin Luther or Spurgeon, but you know, the little difference you make in one person's life could be a huge difference. If it wasn't for that man, Ananias, who comes later and prays for Paul, a man who we never hear about again except for later on in reference, In chapter twenty-two, if it wasn't for that guy, I'd still be blind. The man whose greatest used in the church would not have had—he'd been walking around bumping into walls and stuff. What have you been created to do? What good is there that's driving you? That calls to you? That says, "This is what I want you to do." Encounter the living God and let Him change you and direct you because your life is not about yourself. Your life was not made just for you. It was made for others. So what is it supposed to do? Who are you supposed to be? If you're not living that life, it's sin. Let's not rob God and others the blessing that we're supposed to be. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would breathe life within us, that you would knock us down, that you would blind us, Lord, even as you did Saul. Father, that we would recognize that the potential of our life will never be met until we encounter the risen Christ, until we submit to the God who created us. And Father, you have given us things that are within us, abilities from the foundation of the world. We've been created in Christ to do good works. Lord, may we not stop short, or may we not be detoured in the things that we're doing. May we not be blinded by our own selfish ambitions. May we not be blind to the good that we are supposed to do. May we not sin. And I pray, Lord, that we would be impacted by your challenge in our lives this morning. That we would be willing to change everything. If that's the direction we need to go that we would be willing to stop and listen and pray and allow You to direct our lives. God, some of us have some misconceptions, even as Saul did. Some of us are just going the wrong way because we haven't encountered You. And I pray this morning we would. I pray, Lord, that You would scream into our souls that You were there that You would show us the things that You have for us. That would probably blow our minds if we thought about it. Have Your way in our hearts, Lord. May we fall and be silent before You. And hear Your voice as we pray to You. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Years ago, I was at a conference... And Mike McIntosh from Horizon was speaking. And he did a slide presentation because they didn't have videos back then. Um, And it was put to some music and some slides about some work that they were doing in Africa. And how it was changing the lives of people. And when that video and music was playing... God got a hold of my heart and He says, I want you to be a part of change. I want you to be a part of lives being changed. And it was one of those moments that just shakes you. As if God's saying, do you get it? Do you get it? And He's not doing it mean. Not like, you know, you shake a baby and, you know, then they're, you know. It's, it was to get my attention. That he had more for my life than what I was thinking my Christian life was about. Because I was happy where I was at. I was doing things that were fine, good. I was serving God. I was full-time in ministry. But God says, this is what I'm about. It's not coming to church. It's not being a Christian. That's not what it's about. That's the starting point. And then it shoots from there. The starting point is, yeah, having a life committed to Jesus. That's the beginning, not the end. We don't come and say, oh, I'm a Christian now. Okay, kick back, this is it. No, you're a Christian. That's where it starts. Then life begins. I pray God shakes us up, wakes us up to the things that he has for us.